Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, we thank you so much that we're together today and we thank you as we look into your word, Lord, uh, that you... Um, Help us, Lord. Uh, when you were on the earth, you asked Peter, he, you said, do you love me? And he said, yes. And he said, then you said, feed my sheep. So, Lord, this is like getting into the word and feeding in the word is really important. So, Father, thank you for helping, uh, giving ears to hear, for helping me. We give you all the praise and glory in advance for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I was uh, speaking along the lines, and I talked about the difference between revival, awakening, and outpouring. And then at the end of that message, I mentioned three things that we could do, practical things, and that's like recognize the time we're living in, the last days. Uh, then I said, well, humble ourselves, because the Bible says humble yourself, you know, and we can do that, and then we can pray. So we left off kind of there last week. I actually didn't get everything in. We are going to go a, a little different direction this week, but I, I, there was a testimony. I, like, read, you know, you can go find books and they talk about every outpouring and revival in history, and you can read about every one of them. I, I had a few of those to share, and I didn't get to it, but I just want to give you an example on one. This happened in 1734 and 35 in New England in America, which they desperately need another one. Uh, but it, it started when five or six people got wonderfully converted, and a young lady started telling everyone about how she met the Savior on the evening of the day preceding the outbreak of revival, some Christians met and spent the whole night in prayer. Uh, the whole town was affected. John Edwards wrote, the work of conversion was carried on in the most astonishing manner and increased more and more. Souls did, as it were, come by flocks to Jesus Christ. Now, it sounds like this happened really quick, and here's what I w really want to see. Then this guy named Jonas Peck wrote a book, and he said, it, the book's called The Revival and the Pastor, written in 1894. And he noted, for years, for years, Dr. Edwards and his saintly wife had been besieging the throne of grace, praying day and night, O Lord, revive thy work. So if you don't read the whole thing, you would think, oh, five or six people, they got converted. They had one night of prayer, and, like, it broke out. And I want to make sure that everyone knows, like, I did a message last week, and I made a comment that revival isn't an event, it's a lifestyle. So I just want to encourage us, you know, we start this direction, but we can be patient. And we just keep doing it. We just keep letting our voice be heard. And, uh, and when it, when, if there's an outpouring, everyone's going to know it. Until that time, we can go one-on-one -on -one witnessing, bring people to the Christmas musical, do it one-on-one, -on -one, go out on the streets. Uh, as a matter of fact, our, our uh, Annalisa and a few went into the city on Saturday, Friday night, and they went out to do witnessing because that's, that's one of the things on her heart is to go out and, and, and go, go for the lost. So we can do it one-on-one, there's going to be evangelists, and they're anointed to do it, but then there's, like, outpourings. And, uh, and you know, an outpouring, it's kind of like it was described once where Patsy grew up is, you know, west or eastern Colorado is really flat, and they make jokes about the state trees, the telephone pole, because, I mean, all it is is farmlands, like, just, like, lots, just flat. And so you can go out with a sickle and harvest, and it'll take you forever. But when they bring those big harvest machines in, those things are monstrous, and they just do the harvest, and that's kind of like an outpouring. When there's an outpouring, it's like one of those big machines, and we can just, we're, let's, you know, let's continue to let our voices known up in heaven for an outpouring. Okay, and so today what I'd like to do is, because um, <clears throat> there's some things coming up here, and uh, as a church, we stand with every single person. Just want you guys to know that... Um, you're safe here, and uh, we're not taking sides with what we got coming up on December the 17th. You know, there's some, some things coming to play. At least you know when you come here that we are for every single person. Amen. So, you know, we're not telling, you know, 
I haven't told anyone any kind of decisions to make, whatever decision you make, but we're going to get into some stuff that's relevant, but we're, and, and I'll say it later, but you know, this whole thing that's happening with a mandate, this is some things, I, I want to lay a foundation spiritually to show us how we can have our, make our voices count, but I just want you to know that, like, whether there's a mandate or not, whatever you choose, but, like, the mandate is, doesn't have to be, and this is what we want to pray about. So it's fine, whatever you choose to do. But even if you choose to do and take, you can still at least say, hey, I, I still don't think anyone should be forced or coerced. You see what I'm saying? So if you chose to be vaccinated, awesome, and no evil, no weapon formed against you will prosper, no deadly thing will harm you, all of that. But at the same time, at least have a heart for those that don't. As a church, can we just really be knit together and for one another? Another. And I, so I got some things to say from the Bible and spiritually today, but it's going to end up where we're going to do some praying, okay? So um, here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about making my voice count. And in this, we're going to like look at these two positions or platforms that we can speak from, uh, declare, speak, pray. And it's interesting that millions are familiar with one of the platforms, but the other platform seems to be a lot less than millions are even aware of this platform that they can speak from. And we want to make sure both platforms are there, but there's an understanding, especially the one that's not so understood. So we're going to look at how did we get here? What does the world want and how does it get it? What should we want and our voice in the natural and the supernatural? So we're just going to look at four things today. That's where we're going. So let's look at the first one, like how did we get here? And so back a couple months ago, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I, I showed this uh, graphic, and so you can put that up there. And um, this is like uh, Clarence Larkins, who did many of these. He's home in heaven now. But uh, you can find these for free if you Google it. But you notice there, on the, it's back there, but I'm looking over there, just so you know, um, that uh, there's like these 2,000 years, like so you got 2,000 years and then you go over 2,000 years and you go over 2,000 years. And so the fourth, a lot of that's history. There's almost like 6,000 years of history. So the Bible has, um, they pro there's prophecies in the Bible and you can go back and you can see the Bible said this and it happened. So the Bible said Jesus was coming and it happened. It really came to pass. So we have like history to go back on. And we're gonna look at this from a different angle, but then if you go to the next slide, this is like a simple version of it. If you like to color with crayons, this is the coloring clans ver with crayons version. But you see it says day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. Now we're in day uh, six right now. Just about, we're at the end of 6,000 years. The next thing that's gonna happen is there's gonna be a rapture we're, we're taken out of here. And then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. I, I'm like pre-trib, and if you're not pre-trib, the same way with the other stuff, we, we can all, that's like not critical. There's, you know, there's some people that say we, we shouldn't be taken out of here. We need to pay a price, and we need to go through the tribulation and prove ourselves. But the Bible says we're, we're delivered from wrath, and, and Jesus took all the sin for us. So I don't know if I quite agree with the reason why we should be here is so we can get punished and pay this price that Jesus paid, just saying, just staying with the Bible. But, but I'm, I'm fine if somebody's mid-trib or post-trib. Those aren't critical. The critical thing is Jesus died. He shed his blood. He took our sin. He was raised from the dead. If you don't believe that, then that's, that's heretical. The other stuff you can have different views on, and it's okay. So my view is it's pre-trib, and then there's going to be seven years of tribulation. And then there's the seventh day where uh, there's going to be this time where Jesus reigns on the earth and there's going to be a thousand years of peace. Okay, then there's going to be some other stuff. But, we're, but here's what, I'm going to look at this at a different angle than what we did previously when I showed it. Here's the angle that I would like to look at it from this, that we've been here as the church has been here for about 2,000 years. So if you think Satan, Lucifer, he was one of the angels up in heaven. He was cast out of heaven. He's called Satan and the devil now. And he began corrupting the earth as soon as like on day one, you see there the yellow. He began corrupting the earth immediately. And he had a plan back then. Uh, and he, he deceived Adam and Eve. And then he just hates, he hate, he's, hates God, always will. He's God's eternal enemy. Hates God, hates people, 
hates all of that. And so he starts working always against God. And because God loves people, if he can get at people, it's a way to get at God. That's what he does. And so here's what I wanted to look at a little different angle. As soon as the church was born, and here's what we have to remember with him. He thought if he killed Jesus, he would fix everything for himself. But he was like totally faked out. And he actually killed Jesus. It was God's plan. And then it's like, hello. And Jesus raises from the dead. And we were cleansed of our sin and all the wonderful stuff. But what happened is, because he's still here, and the Bible says he's the God of this world, he recalibrated. And now he's been going for 2,000 years with a modified plan, still, still against God, but now he's against the church. So that's, I wanted to just bring that up. That's where we are. So there's all kind of crazy things that are going on, and we could say, well, why is it going on? Well, we're going to look at that today from a spiritual perspective and say, like, this is where we are, and this is what's going on. Probably this is why that it's going on. So with that even said, look at this next thing. Uh, this, this is like um, the, the one of them, the old one, that was the t like a version of the Tower of Babel, and then the other one is the European Parliament. So to the general person that doesn't study the Bible or anything like that, they would think, oh, look at that nice building for the European Parliament. But for those that study and know what the Bible prophesies, there are a group of people, uh, even there's like, there's been messages and churches on this, and there's a lot of talk about it. But uh, the, the people that study the Bible, they see that as a possible seat of the Antichrist. And there's a book uh, out, it's called From the Tower of Babel to One World Government. United Nations Against God. That's the subtitle of the book, United Nations Against God. And, and so he's been going for about 2,000 years, the devil. We've been going as the church 2,000 years. Jesus said the gates of hell were not prevail against the church, so I'm not concerned in any kind of a way. I, 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 since the whole thing started with the virus, I, you can ask my wife, I haven't lost any joy. I'm, I got joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I, I'm happy. You know, Paul the Apostle in the book of Acts, he said, under all that persecution, he goes, I'm a happy man. He, he said that. You know, we can be happy. Let's all be happy. You know, there's that one song they wrote about it. That guy recently wrote a song about happy. I don't, I don't remember how it goes or anything. But, but, you know, but we, our happiness and joy comes from within by the Spirit. So I'm not concerned in any kind of a way uh, about what the devil's doing and what he's trying to do. Uh, but we have to still stay in faith and use our faith for what we're for as, as Nina said earlier we're approaching Friday some things are changing it's a time to walk with God time to exercise authority time to use our faith okay so all of that said look look at these scriptures Ephesians 6 verse 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then look at this in Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So these two scriptures, of course, uh, they would be more along the lines of heavy revelation, you know, you know, some people joke and say heavy revy, but it's heavy revelation, it's about spiritual things and uh, you need to be spiritual to even understand them. So people that are not born again have a hard time understanding these. Those of us that receive Jesus Christ and we pursue him, these become clear to us. So here is a slide that I want to like you to show. And this is it's just called thrones and orders. And in Colossians, it says, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. So we talked earlier about the cosmos. I did that a few months ago, and that's like the world system. The, the, the English word world in the New Testament, there is a Greek word that uh, for the world uh, in English has different Greek words. Well, one that's used very often in the New Testament is the Greek word cosmos, and that is about the system that we're living in. There is a system that's down here, and, and according to Colossians, everything was made by him and were created in heaven and on earth. So everything was made and was created by God, visible and invisible. That's what it says. 
So everything we see was made by God, but everything we don't see was made by God. And there's thrones, there's thrones and dominions and rulers and authority. We, and authority, we can't see them. And it's important for Christians to know that, that's there, even though we can't see it. So with this chart, you see the, the big blue circle on the outside, that's the throne of God. And then you see that at the bottom of that, we're seated in heavenly places with him. We're on a very high, Christians, when we receive him, we get seated with him. And so when it comes to thrones and dominions and all that, they're under the feet of Jesus. And because we're seated with him, they're under our feet. So all of these things that it talks about, spiritual wickedness, it's all under our feet. There is a spiritual world out there that we have to be aware of. And you'll see where I'm going with this as we go, uh, as we continue. So um, you remember we talked about the cosmos. So I, I want to show this now, looking down this next picture. If you were up in space and you were looking from space, you would see that from space. Well, the lights represent syllabus civilization, thank you, and, uh, and that's people. Now here's another pic that does the same thing. Look at that. That's looking down on a city. So when we, remember we talked about the cosmos. So here's what we said about it. It's the order of things which is alienated from God as manifested in and by the human race. Humanity is alienated from God and acting in opposition to him. The sum total of human life in the ordered universe considered apart from and alienated from and hostile to God and of earthly things which seduce from God. So this system, and the Bible says it uses the word world, but it's cosmos. This is what it is. So whether you know it or not, living here on the earth, uh, the, the system that we live in, it is actually controlled by the devil. The Bible says the devil is the God of this world. So Jesus is our Lord. We're, we are in the world, but we're not of it. And so even things that impress us is an example. Like every so often, Hollywood hits a home run. It's a family movie. It might be a, a, a good romantic movie. Or sometimes they actually could do a documentary or something that's actually accurate and not with an agenda. So every so often, they hit a home run. But what Hollywood presents to us many times is not anything what the Bible would say. And so even if it's real glimmery and flashy, we need, if we know what the Bible says, we think, you know, that's the way the world perceives that, and, and, and I'm not going there. But you, you have to understand, at this moment, you know, uh, the, the education system, uh, it, it's very influenced by the devil. I'm just, just being honest, I know we're at church, and I, this isn't a, I'm not saying feel-good stuff, if, but, I, I, but I feel like, you've got to say the truth. So the education system is influenced right now. And so you, you have to watch what your children hear. You know, I, I always say if our kids were young again, I would put them in a Christian school. Not, and that's just me because, you know, they're, they're not going to hear some of the stuff that's anti-God. And then, you know, Hollywood, there's, there's like the devil has a grip on Hollywood. And so even though, hey, movie stars might be good, they have a lot of talent, but they're, they're, you know, don't let them impress you. Don't be so impressed by it all. Don't let the world impress you. Okay, that's all I'm trying to say. So in a bullet point summary, the, the cosmos, it's the harmonious order or system of the world, the ungodly masses of people alienated from God and hostile to the cause of Christ. And Jesus died for all these people. So we, we can be aware of them and not hate them because Jesus died and he loved them but we don't have to take their stuff and act like it's the truth or anything. And then the earthly things which seduce us from God, such as goods, riches, advantages, and pleasures. So, so thank God he put everything in here for us and he wants to prosper us, but we're, there, that stuff isn't our God, okay? A few other scriptures and then we're gonna move on to what I, the newer things I wanted to say, but John chapter eight and verse 23, that says, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of the world, cosmos, the world system, and I am not of the world. So this is Jesus, what he's saying. Even though everything was made by God, by the time Jesus came to earth, it was so corrupted. He said, I'm not of this system. I'm of a different system. I'm of heaven, and I'm of a different system. And what, what's going on down here, that's not my system. And so 
it's important for us to know we're here and we can use our faith and live spiritually in the system, but it's not his system. And then uh, John 17 and verse 14, it says, I have given them your word and your word and the world, the cosmos, the system has hated them because they are not of the world. So anybody that receives Jesus Christ and some of us are not, there's varying degrees that you're persecuted. It really is how you live and what you talk to people about would determine how you're persecuted. So if you work a job and, and don't act like a Christian and never say anything about it, you probably have no persecution. But anyone that makes themselves known and that you, then they know who you are and what you represent. And then, there's, there, and, de, and then also depending on who you're working with and how much they yield to evil, because some people are not Christians, but they don't yield to evil and, and, they, and they actually don't persecute. But then there's others that yield more and they find out you're a Christian and you say something and they could actually hate you. And so we have all of those scenarios going on. So Jesus said, I've given them your word and the world, the cosmos, has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And this, this is what we have to know. So I, the Lord gave me this statement the last time that I shared along this line and it was this, the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. The cosmos belongs to the devil He's the God of this world, and there's scripture for that. So this is where we left off a while back, but want to take it a little bit further now. So let's look at this. What do they want? That's the world, the cosmos, the, the thrones and dominions and the spiritual wickedness. What do they want, and how do they get it? We could also say it this way. What are the goals, what, what are the goals of the perpetrators? Because that's really what the devil and all the evil is. They're perpetrators. Okay, and they want—they—they want us to be the victims, but we don't have to lay down and be their victim. Okay. So um, again, the devil, Lucifer, Satan, from the beginning until now, he hates God. He tried to overthrow God in heaven. He was cast out. He—he he came down to the earth, and then he deceived Adam and Eve, uh, and then he kept on working. And now the church has been born, and now he's been trying to overthrow the church. And he's not going to be able to do it because Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail. So with all of that in mind, uh, let's look at this now and let's see what do they want and how do they get it? Well, they, they hate people. They hate because God loves people. They want to bring us down along with God. So Job chapter 1 and verse 10, uh, and let me say this before we look at that scripture. The theologians have said that Job, they think it was written between chapter 11 and and chapter 12 of Genesis. So it's like one of the oldest books in the Bible. So I think there's a lot of revelation. There's a lot of revelation in the book of Job if you go reading it and you interpret it properly. Now, sometimes it has a very light interpretation. In other words, like you could tell somebody God is good and he wants to heal you. And then they'll, I don't know if they ever happened to you, but this has happened to me more than once. And they go, what about Job? And so in other words, like just because they read Job and they saw something there, they're discounting that, you know, they, 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 you know, what about Job? So with that in mind, here's some thoughts about Job. Job was going through a lot of stuff and a lot of bad things happened to him, but he actually got prophetic in the book. And he said this, he said, I, I, my redeemer lives and he shall stand on the earth in the last days. So in the midst of everything that was going on, Prophetically, like we never would think, well, was Job a prophet? But that was pretty prophetic. He said, my Redeemer lives, and Jesus was alive up there, but he said he's going to stand on the earth in the last days. What was he really saying is, I've got a lot of problems now, and I don't know the answers, but there's going to come a day that everything I'm going through, there's going to be a Redeemer, and he's going to be the answer for all those problems. And so some, sometimes you can, you can use the book of Job any way you want. I choose to use it that way um, than the other way. Okay. So with that in mind, let's look at the book of Job, Job 1 and verse 10. It says, have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. So this is the devil talking to God about Job. Now, it's really amazing what the devil knows that God wants to do. God wants to put a hedge of protection around us. We heard about protection. And then he, uh, he wants to protect our house. And he wants to protect everything we have on every side. And he wants to bless the work of our hands. And, and he wants to increase us. The devil knows that God wants to do that for us. 
And sometimes, you know, there are some that fight and, and that are Christian and they fight that. Why, why fight it? God wants to do these things for us. And then, but here's what we want to see. This is what we really want to see here. Job 1 and verse 15. It says, in the Sabians, this is a, a people group. Job had all that protection, but his hedge came down. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them, he's about his family, and struck them down, the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. This is a guy coming back to Job saying what happened. Now, you see what happened here is the devil wanted them, and for that season when the hedge was around, he couldn't get them. When there wasn't a hedge of protection, the devil influenced people. This is really what we want to get to, because we can go really, we don't have time to get into all the theology, but the devil used people to do the job. That's what we're, that's the main point. We're going to move on. Let's go to Ezekiel now. Ezekiel 28.2, it says, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre. Notice the word prince there, the prince of Tyre. Thus says the Lord, because your heart is so proud and you have said, I am God. I sit in the seat of the gods, in the heart of the seas. You are yet but a man and no God, though you make your heart like the heart of God. So simply what it says, it's a prophetic message here and it's given through the prophet Isaiah and it's to the prince of Tyrus who was a man the prince of Tyrus was a man, and he was lifted up in pride. And so this is referring to a man. But then if you go down over here to verse 12 and notice this, it says, Son of man, raise a lamentation over not the prince, but the king of Tyrus. So you got prince, and then you got king. And say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. So let's just stop here. This is not the prince. This is the king. And this one was in Eden, the garden of God. There's no way the other one was there. Couldn't, couldn't be still alive there. This, why was this one in the garden of God? Because this one is a spirit being. A spirit being. So you see that it's, it's the prince of Tyre and the king. Same place, same location. So here's what we, we can see here. That... Um, the king is not referring to the man, but a spirit, and the prince is a man. So here, here's what we see. There's a double kingdom, according to the Bible, and it's ruled, and it refers to a kingdom ruled on earth by men who are actually dominated and influenced by spiritual rulers in the heaven or the heavenlies. So, without, so every Christian should know this, you may think as you, drive, as you drive your car and you could easily think, oh, it's, it's so, you know, wow, what, everything is so wonderful and the, blue, the sky is blue and everything, and it is. I love the blue skies of Australia. They're so blue, so little pollution here. You know, that's a whole, but, but as you're driving and you see those beautiful skies, you have to know up in the heavenlies, there's spiritual wickedness that you can't see. And they're really trying to do stuff down here on the earth through people, through politicians that legislate, through teachers in schools that have agendas that are ungodly. Okay, all of that, that's all going on. And we at least as Christians need to know it's going on and not be like blinded to it. All right, let's do another one. Here's Jesus. We're just seeing, looking how this works because this, what does this do? It helps us to pray. When this is real to a Christian, it helps us to pray, and it's important. So let's look at Jesus now. In Acts 2.22, this says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in, in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And, and God said, you know, before the foundation of the world, he planned to send Jesus. That's foreknowledge. But then it was also his plan. So it was the definite plan. He knew about it. That's what that's talking about. But look at this. He said, you, talking to people, crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. So it, God set it all up for Jesus to come. And look, who, and it says that men killed him by lawless hands. Then if you go to Acts 4.10... Again, it says, let it be known to all of you 
and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, talking to men whom God raised from the dead. So notice how that is. But then here is what we want to see in 1 Corinthians. This is like the icing on the cake that helps us see it. Uh, verse 6, it says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. Notice the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. They're going to be passing away these spiritual wickedness and all them. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And here it is right here. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had they. Now look what we read before. It says you crucified him with your hands. And now it's talking about spiritual wickedness and power. It says they would not have crucified the Lord. Going way back to Job, when Satan used a group of people, the Sabians, to go after Job's family, he influenced them all the way in Ezekiel, the double kingdom, and then now here with Jesus, where some person, the Romans, I'm Italian, shame on my Italians for doing that. You know what I'm saying? You know, isn't, can't be too proud about being Italian when they were used so greatly to, to do that. But see, it really, even though they did it with wicked hands, then spiritually speaking, there was something behind them. Christians need to know that this is going on. There's stuff going on, and we need to know where the root is. Now, even in the church world, this, I, I probably told this story before in the last 12 years of our church, but there was, I was at a pastor's meeting once. This is when uh, the man that wrote this book, Kenneth Hagin, was still alive, and uh, there was all these pastors there, and he said, he didn't know who it was. He said, there's a pastor sitting over here he goes, you have uh, your board, you have four board members, and he was really having trouble with his board at the time, and he said, this, this is what's going to happen. One of your board members is going to resign. One of them's going to fall over dead. <laughs> One of them's going to move away, something. And, and be, but the basic thing was, he said, he said, but it's not them. He said, it's evil spirits influencing them. He said, but it's going to be resolved, and it's going to change. So you see, evil spirits can influence people and they can do bad things and they don't even know they're being influenced. So I, so I know this is like, in a sense, heavy for a Sunday morning, but if you really believe we're in the last days, I mean, if we're gonna come to church, let's get into it. And, and you know, so, uh, so then what, you know, what should we do? What should we want? And I'm gonna, I don't want to take too much time because we're going to pray today. So I'm going to just say, I'm going to give four scriptures out. James chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See, we're getting back to this thing. What, what days are we living in? Uh, so it says, be patient because he is coming. See how the farmer, here the farmer is Jesus, the Lord. He's waiting for the precious fruit, or you could say God, Jesus. He's waiting for the precious fruit. The fruit is us, people of the earth okay he's not waiting to fix the environment you know he's he's going to actually we're going to have a new heaven and earth he's not concerned about that so all the stuff they do on the news and try to make people get afraid it's all the fear is so they can manipulate and control just being honest with you so you know there's going to be a new heaven and earth that's what the bible says he's waiting for people to get saved that's what he's waiting on people are the precious fruit of the earth that said, I don't throw trash out my car window. I don't waste, uh, I don't waste water. I don't waste things. Uh, I, I believe in doing all that. So don't think I, I'm just trashing the earth. But I'm not concerned about it. That's all I'm trying to say. Zechariah 10.1 says, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. So, so then it's, he's waiting for the precious fruit. What do we do? We're in the last day. So he said, ask for rain. Outpouring. This is what we can do. That changes everything, as I said last week. And then Hosea 6.3 says, Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. Look, at, it says he will come to us like the rain. So when we ask for rain, it's like the glory and outpouring of God, the glory of God getting poured out on all flesh. That solves everything. But while, you know, but while we're, you know, there's not an outpouring at the moment, we still do... We still, while we're waiting on that, we continue to pray, but there's still things that we can do. 
So we're going to get into that soon because there's, there's two platforms we can speak from. But this is, what we, this is the spiritual thing. This is, we should put this first place. We ask for rain. And then, then, and then Hebrews 10.25, this is a little different, but it says, I think this is important in the last days, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Uh, and here's the reason why. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So just meeting together and being in his presence and, and, and uh, praying and doing all these, these days are days that we should be meeting together. So this is what we can do or what we should want. Now let's move on to the last thing here, and that's this. Our voice in the natural and the supernatural. So we're calling this making our voice count. So Proverbs 31 and verse 8 and 9 it says, speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are disposed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. And so, as we said, as Nina said it earlier, and I'll say it one more time, you know, Friday there's some things that are going to change. Uh, everyone, uh, we don't, we have never said to anyone what decision you should make. But there's still a group of people that if they choose not to be vaccinated, as a church, here's, here's um, well, I'm going to say that a little later, but let me just say this first. I am uh, not a hypocrite, so I can stand behind here, at least for this one thing. I'm not trying to say I'm perfect or anything, but I was at a peaceful protest or a rally on Wednesday night over in Logan Central, and it was against the mandate. So when I, we talk about two platforms and having a voice, we have a voice as citizens here and we have a voice in heaven. Amen. And so I believe in making my voice known here, I, of course, and I believe that making your voice known up there is more powerful. So I'm to, as a pastor, I better be. I'm for everybody. So I'm whatever decision you choose, but I'm also for those that, uh, you know, this whole thing coming out where if you, if you're not vaccinated, you can't go here. You, you have to give up your job. I'm not for that. I'm just being honest. With you. I'm not for, that's coercion. And I'm not for co coercion. I'm for people being able to make their own decisions. And so this is something we can stand. And, and um, so I'm going to say a few things about the two platforms, but at least I want you to know I was there. Uh, I sat on the front. I sat on the front row because somebody got me there. I, I didn't have that kind of. Somebody pulled strings and got me on the front row. But I'm there, and I I cooperated. It was a peaceful protest because I don't believe in things being forced on people like that. Now, along these lines, because I'm for everyone, and I see that what you know what I want to be. You can be whatever you want to be. But if you choose or you don't choose, I want to hear what you say, and I respect that. And I think as a church that when somebody comes up and says, I chose to do this, and if you chose not to, you shouldn't make them feel bad about that choice. It goes the other way, too. If somebody's, like, totally against it, and they come up and you chose to do it, you shouldn't make them feel like they're doing the wrong thing. Is it okay to say that? So we all are, should be for you. <laughs> so with that said... Um, I've talked because I, I, I listen and I talk because I care. I care about everyone, a, pa a pastor better. So I, here's some of the things I heard. Some people have said, I researched and I found it safe. Others said, I just went and got it. No big deal, just another vaccine. And I respect that, because, you know. Then others said, I researched and I don't feel comfortable and I didn't do it. And then there's this other one, the Lord told me to do it. And I, we have friends, they said the Lord told them to to receive it. And then we have others that said, friends that said the Lord said not to. So in my family, people did, people didn't. My, our friends, people did. Some, some of the parents did. One of their children didn't. Uh, all of this. So I want you to know that this, this is not really, that is not the big thing. The big thing is this mandate. Because I can get along with, I, I make it my business to get along with people and respect people. We better do that as Christians. Okay, so with all of that said, um, uh, so, and, and by the way, oh, I, won't, I won't cover that. So here's this, I, I've been doing this prayer, uh, a half hour prayer. It's called Noontime Prayer. I told you about it last week. Well, I just led it Friday, 
And, and, and I went down to the city, and I walked and prayed in the city. It was kind of challenging because, you know, holding up the phone that long, and I was getting a cramp right here. Then I went over, and then it was really hot, and I'm sweating, and I'm leading prayer. Uh, but that was some of the challenges. But the cool thing is, in the middle of that, I had no notes, and I'm doing, like, prayer and for a whole half hour with no notes. It was just all Holy Ghost. And in the middle of all that, the Lord really came through. But some things started to come out of me. And so this came out, and I'll put up these phrases. This was like prophetic stuff that came out. Prayer gives the Lord something to work with. Protests give politicians something to work with. Well, that's really simple, but I never thought of it before. But isn't that simple? Um, Then this came. The Lord takes what we give him seriously. The politicians don't always take what we say serious at all. I know there are some exceptions. But see, when we talk to him, he really takes it seriously. Okay? Uh, the Lord hears, considers, moves, and he does. Politicians hear and turn their back. Not all of them do. I want to make that clear. But many times they do. They don't listen. I'll just tell you a story. You know, right here in Springwood, I won't name names, but the guy that uh, has been in power for a while, a friend of mine uh, went up to this person and said, I'm one of your constituents. And, and I would just like to say, could you please not vote for the abortion? Could you, could you vote for, you know, she's a pro-life person. Could you vote not against abortion? You know what he said? He said, I don't care if every one of my constituents said that. I'm voting for it. It was like brash. I'm just saying, you know. So that lady made her voice heard, but that guy turned his back big time on her. And every constituent here turned his back on him. So, the, so, and so I knew that, but when, I, when this came out of me, I, I didn't, wasn't thinking about that. This is the Lord. So the Lord hears, he considers, he moves, and he does. Politicians hear and turn their back. Uh, and then this also came. There are more voices going to the politicians than voices going up to heaven. So I, because I can say I was there Wednesday night and I participated, but I want to make sure my voice goes to heaven more than it does you should pray more than you protest, I would think. And so I felt that this came out of me. More people are protesting and less are praying. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean coming against the protest. Okay, so just, so then one last thing and then we're going to pray. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and, and humbled yourselves before your God, your words, here's the big thing, your words have been heard. So he prayed, and he said, from the first day, I heard your words. This is like what's happening in the spiritual realm, but there wasn't an immediate answer. He says, from the first day you prayed, and I heard, uh, and I have come because of your words. So sometimes when we pray, we think, why didn't we get an immediate answer? But here's what we find out in verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief priests, he's like the three archangels, Michael's one, he's still up in heaven, Lucifer got cast down, this is one of the good guys, he came, and he, there, there was such a spiritual thing going on up in the heavenlies, that one of the archangels had to come, because there was resistance concerning answering a prayer, so when we pray down here, we don't realize it, but there's like stuff going on up there, and so that's why he says, when you pray, believe you receive, because you have to believe you receive, because sometimes it might not come immediately, and you don't know what, we don't know what's going on up there. Does that make sense? And it's right there. So then, uh, uh, there's these four categories, and I'm, there could be more, but these just came to me when I was sitting in the back room this morning, and I didn't, uh, so I, I just wrote them in, in my pen on a paper. But when you pray for something personal like healing, it's between you and God, and there's many cases where it's suddenly, you're suddenly healed, or... It be, but it's just you and God. But then there's, there's prayer. When you pray for money, you have a need for money. That immediately involves somebody else other than you. There's people involved. You can say, Lord, I need $50. Can you, I'm trusting you for $50. Well, the Lord could speak to somebody and they could say, they won't even listen. And then he has to tell someone else. So, so when you pray for money or even like favor, that might take a while because there's people involved. So that's another category. And then, then um, the third thing is uh, people, if there's something going on with relationships and people, you pray and the Lord starts working on people's heart, but that, that, there's, that might not be suddenly. Does that make sense? So this is why we know that these things are going on. And then the fourth category is when the devil's involved. 
And so just like what we saw in Daniel, there was prayer, but even Michael the archangel had to come and be involved there. Does that make sense? So with all of that, I'm going to invite Patsy and Dylan up here, and we're just going to, like, it's good to um, sometimes even demonstrate how you can pray. And so Dylan is represent, representing a group of people. He's mainly going to pray concerning this mandate. Uh, the mandate has affected him. And so he's going to pray about that, and then Patsy's going to pray about protection. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just wanted to make that clear that when I pray, I'm, I'm praying against this mandate, which uh, is evil, that an unconscionable thing that would make every man, woman, and child receive a novel medical treatment against their wishes. And I think as a church we can agree with that, regardless of what people's personal decisions are about taking the treatment or not. So that's the angle I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, just as we've heard today, that when we pray and we take our position, we take our position in Jesus Christ, who is seated in the heavenly places, far above every principality and power, far above every ruler of this present darkness, far above every spiritual wickedness in the high places. And that's where we're seated as we pray and decree against this thing. We come against this evil edict. We know its source. We know it's from the, from the pit of hell that anybody, any politician, any government would ever mandate and require against people's God-given freedoms to take a treatment that they don't want. So we push it back. We declare to these proud Jericho walls of medical tyranny and segregation, you will fall in Jesus' name. We come against you as the church of the living God, as the ecclesia, as the called out ones, given authority from God in the earth, in Christ, to, to stand against evil and tyranny. And Father, we're just asking, Lord, we're asking, Father God, as a church, Lord, even as every church, every, every congregation around the earth right now, Lord, that you would revive us again. May, be, may this be the time, Lord, when your fire burns through our churches again, Father God. May this be the time, Lord, when we, when we turn against any wicked ways that have come up in our lives, Father God. May this be the time that we say, Father God, use us to be your vessels and your mouthpieces on the earth, Father God. And we commit, Lord, we commit as a church, we commit individually, we commit as a church to continue to speak, to be seen, to be heard against structural injustice in this earth, against evil wherever it shows up, Lord God. Thank you, Father God. And as Tony shared today, Lord, Father God, as we make sure our prayers are heard first and foremost on high, Lord, but we repent for the times that we've been silent, Lord. And we've allowed these things to come to the very gates, to the very doors of our homes, Lord God. We will not allow our children to pass through the fire, Father. We're going to stand, and we're going to stand for people's freedom everywhere around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the way that you've created men to have a free will and your honor of that free will. And we thank you for uh, this nation of Australia whose constitution upholds that godly, godly, divine intention, created intention in man to have a free will. Thank you for that. And as we approach um, this coming Friday, we don't do so holding our breath in fear we just don't. In fact, we refuse to fear. We will not participate in fear. We know that fear is a tool of the kingdom of darkness, and we will not fear. Because your word says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not fear. Your word says, you are with me. So don't be afraid. So, Father God, we're so thankful that no, uh, no matter uh, what people have chosen prayerfully and, uh, and they've researched, whatever they have chosen to do, as Tony has said, some have chosen to take a vaccination, some have chosen not to take a vaccination. Either which way, we say this, that we are not under the shadow of doubt, we are not under the shadow of fear. We are not under the shadow of any information that we've heard that vaccinated people can get it just the same as unvaccinated people and pass it on. 
We're not under the, the shadow of fear and dread of, of COVID and expectation of the, of the ravages that it would try to do. We refuse that fear. Instead, we, we say we're under the shadow of the Almighty. And we say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God. And me and my family are under the blessing of God in the name of Jesus. And Father, concerning those um, who have been affected where, where jobs are concerned and livelihood is concerned, Father, thank you for that testimony that we heard through Nina today and other testimonies. Tony and I have been really blessed to hear of testimonies of your directing and your provision. And we say of the Lord, you're our refuge, you're our fortress, you're our God, you're our Jehovah Jireh, you're our Jehovah, our, our Jehovah um, Rapha, our healer, and you're our, our, our banner, our Jehovah Nisi. We are under you, and Father God, we stay hooked together in, in love, which activates our faith, and we stay together in faith with one another. Hallelujah, that no evil will befall us nor any plague will come near our dwelling. And Father, we're asking you that you use our church family as a collective shield. And we, 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 uh, we pray about this whole area in Jesus' name. That, this, that those that sit in darkness will see a great light, a great place of safety, a great place of salvation. And, and we thank you, Father, that we represent the kingdom of God. That is our primary standing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So just, uh, just know that we are 100% um, for and with everyone, and we love you guys. Uh, just want, uh, if you're here today, and you need prayer for anything. If, if you don't know Jesus is Lord, we, we're, we're going to have prayer workers up here. And come up here and say, hey, I was sitting here today and I didn't understand a lot of this. It's, it's because you really need to know the Lord. And we're going to have people up here that can lead you in a prayer. You might be here and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. There, we're, you can come up here. And uh, somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit last week here. Uh, after church, we were already dismissed. I was sitting right here. Uh, and uh, with me and another lady, we're sitting right here with a young guy. And, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, come up here. Uh, we know how to do that. Uh, and so you can all stand today. We're going to go out singing. want to let you know tonight is our last uh, Sunday night service. It's on healing. We have Pastor Jenny sharing tonight uh, on a different way that God heals. And so it'll be beneficial uh, for you guys if you want to be there. God bless. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.